You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Guys, this is Dewey. I want to tell you about some new releases coming up from Equal Vision Records. As you guys know, Equal Vision Records is my family, and so are these bands. I really want you to check these out. We've got Hot Water Music with their 10th studio album, Vows, out May 10th, featuring guest appearances by Dallas Green of City and Color, Thrice, The Interrupters, and Brendan and Daniel from Turnstile. See them on the 30th anniversary tour with Quicksand in the States in May and June and Europe in November. Hotwatermusic.com for more info. We also have Be Well with their new 7-inch, A Tap I Can't Turn Off, out now. First new music in two years from this band. This band is incredible, featuring members of Battery, Bane, Darkest Hour, and Fairweather. See them on tour with I Am The Avalanche in June. Equalvision.com for more info on that. And just your general information on Equalvision Records, you're always going to find something you like at Equalvision.com. Go there for vinyl and merch from all of your favorite bands. Check out Hot Water Music's new record and Be Well's new 7-inch now.
What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, they have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, you can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers, tier one, tier two, and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the Passcast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the Passcast. The Passcast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. 
So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of, of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month. Cause I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpus on Jabberjaw Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, we have Marissa DeBice from Mannequin Pussy on the show. Uh, this interview I did a while back uh, had a bunch of stuff happen where I have, you know, three or four interviews from a while back that I'm going to be releasing here. Um, so, we talk about you know the process of their new record and everything else, but the record is out now. Uh, it's called Patience on Epitaph, and it is a killer record. This band I discovered on Spotify randomly driving in the rain with my son to the mall. Um, I don't remember what pulled it up, um, but I saw the name. And I was like, oh, I got to check this out, and uh, what an amazing band, and I was so stoked to talk to Marissa and uh, my buddy uh over in philly uh hooked us up together um a buddy of mine from this day forward and uh another awesome dude that's going to be on the show in the future anyway uh marissa was awesome uh i think she uh took if i remember right she took this interview from the bath which was <laughs> i think that's how it started and uh i was like man this is going to be great what an interesting human being and it's just an awesome artist and a great, a great uh, interview. This was a lot of fun, guys. So I'm glad you guys get to hear it. Uh, this intro is going to be kind of short because I don't have a lot going on. I just wanted to get this episode out and in the world. Um, but yeah, lots of stuff going on here as far as uh, more interviews coming up, uh, maybe some more travel. And uh, I'm glad you guys all liked the Fat Mike episode uh, from last week. What a, a ton of feedback on that on that. Uh, on that episode and uh it looked like a lot of people really enjoyed it and uh, we had a great time doing it so uh thanks again on checking that one out if you haven't yet go back and check out the episode with fat mike from no effects uh from last week but this week uh is is gonna be a lot of fun um you guys are gonna enjoy this interview with marissa she's fantastic so uh enough rambling from me uh peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website for all information episodes sponsors everything you need to know is on the website i know a lot of people don't use those anymore it's all just social media but i like having kind of an archived area on the internet where you can find basically everything we've done and kind of see what's see what's what if as it were <laughs> okay so uh check out our sponsors this week rockabilia.com uh pc jabberjaws the code um, that'll get you some money off your order. Uh, check out Merge for Socks on Instagram and on the web. I wear them every day. They are fantastic. And uh, my daughter's favorite thing on the weekends especially is to pick out my socks for the day. She gets to go through the drawer of Merge for Socks and pick out. She always picks out the mermaid ones, I think, and the, uh, the uh, Frankenstein, surprisingly, because it freaks her out. But uh, Merge for Socks, they're fantastic guys. A lot of awesome artists contribute to that company, and they're just great people. 
and artistflags.com. Check out artistflags.com for all your backdrop and scrim needs. And uh, tell them Dewey sent you a Sticker Ninja as well. Sticker Ninja has been fantastic to us. Uh, StickerNinja.com and RER Studio. My buddy Ryder uh, over in St. Anthony, Idaho. Uh, just made some new straps for Portugal the Man. Check them out on Instagram. Uh, shout out to Ryder. What an awesome dude. Go back and check out his episode if you haven't either. Um, that, that one was a good one. So anyways, guys, uh, I'm going to get out of here. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Marissa Device from Mannequin Pussy. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Well, Marissa DeBuyce from Mannequin Pussy, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. So how are you doing? You doing good? You just out and about? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, right now I'm at home. Okay. I actually just started running a bath. Oh, okay. Um, So I'm kind of like getting into like relaxation mode for the rest of the night. Fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's the most interesting answer to that, that I've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Shaw Mike Shaw says you are a fascinating person. <laughs> so as is Mike Shaw, so Yeah, and uh so big shout out to him for for connecting us, but um so mannequin pussy. So I was listening to Spotify. I don't remember what I was listening to and I I figured out I I'm probably behind the times here. But there's suggestions, like, if you like this band, you'd like this band kind of thing, like, on the bottom. Right. And you can scroll through. And I, I came across Mannequin Pussy. I was like, well, that's interesting. And I clicked on it, and I played, I think Romantic came up first. And I was like, this is fantastic. And I had my, my son in the backseat of the car, and he started bobbing his head. And 
I was like, this band is incredible. So I started like cycling through the records and 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 the songs. And by the time I got home, I was like, man, I need to, I need to talk to this person. Like, <laughs> it was oh, great. Wow. It was really. That's so cool. Do you remember what it was that? I don't. I was trying to find it, and I was like, I was going back through my Spotify and trying to find what linked it together, and I do. I have no idea. I have no idea. It was a weird, random, rainy day in Portland, and it was literally that song hit. I'm on the freeway, and uh, like there's water all over the place, and that song came on, and it was just super mel. And then once it kicks in with the chorus, there's that just that aggression that just got me. I was like, this is this is real. You know what I mean? Like you can tell when something's something's real and true and that was one of those things where i was like i think i sent it to a couple friends i was like check this band out this is brutal like this is rad and uh i haven't had that discovery of a band in a while you know what i mean and i'm also coming in late because you guys have been around but i'm glad i did and uh i'm glad we're talking (laughs) yeah me too me too i love to hear what people kind of what that what that first emotion is when when they hear our band. So it's very interesting to hear, hear your experience of it. It's obviously not something I get to experience for us. Sure. Sure. And the other thing when, so I, I come from the music business as well. Like I, I was in uh, uh, a band called anatomy of a ghost. We toured around for a few years and then I was in, uh, played with Portugal, the man for a few years. And uh, that's how I met Mike Shaw was through uh, touring with anatomy of a ghost in this day forward. Um, ah. So, I always, when someone sends me a band or tells me to check out a band, I hear the record or I hear the song that's recorded. And I'm like, okay, well, what do they sound like live? That's my first thing. Cause uh, you know, all the studio tricks and everything else. And on Spotify, romantic comes on. And then immediately after is the audio tree version. So oh, I didn't even have to switch songs. I was like, it switched. And I was like, Oh, the song again, wait a minute. Oh, it's on audio tree. Oh, this is live perfect it was amazing and so i had that like it was like this perfectly timed i'm like i'm driving so i'm not messing with my phone very much like so it perfectly like fit into what i needed to be hooked on a band and so um yeah interesting you thought it and spotify was like oh you want to hear what it's like live we got that for you too yeah it's it's (laughs) yeah it's that it's the record version and then the audio tree and then so of course i got home and i checked out the actual video of the audio tree live session which i love that show that audio tree is awesome Uh, yeah audio tree is great but yeah anyway so that's the long-winded how i came to know of mannequin pussy and and to, to now <laughs> you know i have one regret with that audio tree um that we did and that's like when when they tell you like what colors do you want uh-huh. i just said cush colors to them assuming that they would get like dark purple and green yeah. i don't know why i said that but that's what i did and then they i think they ended up just not knowing what to do so they just like left the lights on <laughs> so when i look at other people's audio trees and it's all like blacked out and coolly colored i'm like damn it why did i use like <laughs> language that wouldn't make sense to anyone you should have just said black light poster or something yeah, <laughs> yeah i should have done i should have said anything else except for what i said but so i, I want to do another one with them so i can kind of make that up to myself you're gonna have to and just tell them specifically what you want mm-hmm. man you figure they get that cush colors chill colors whatever like yeah yeah i don't i mean they even talked to me about it but i, I feel like they were just like oh, we'll just we'll just err on the side of nothing man do they do a lot of like uh pre-show stuff like how intense is that going to audio tree 
going to audio tree going to audio tree is a really fun process actually like they come down they meet you help load in all your stuff and you go up to this really beautiful studio and um they take a lot of time like setting you up and and sound checking i mean it, it does it does come off live so it's about as much time as as you show up in advance for it yeah okay. but it's like a huge team there i think there was probably like a team of like maybe six or seven people when we got there. Wow. So there's a lot of people behind the scenes who are pretty focused on making it all go out. And we had a wonderful interviewer, Peggy, um, who was just like really well researched and asked like, you know, thoughtful questions. So mm -hmm. it's just a great experience. Man, that sounds rad. Like I've, I've seen so many bands on there and it seemed like for a while it was just really like really mellow indie bands. And then like, I think gouge away was on there and I was like, Holy shit. And then, uh, yeah, it was, it was, then it really branched out. Like I started searching a lot more and it's a pretty cool, pretty cool program. But yeah. Um, yeah. Like I say, I'm so, I'm so glad we're chatting because uh, I want to get the story behind who you are because it's, it, I mean, it all builds up into what you're creating and that's what really hit me was the, the passion behind it and just seeing the, 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 the realness, you know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but it seems like it's rare nowadays in music to see something real anymore and something with, with passion and, and, you know, hundred percent behind it. You know what I mean? And that's what I get from you guys. Like that's when, when, uh, I saw the epitaph announcement, I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic because the, the partnership between you guys, that something really good's coming out of that. I know it, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're already supporting us like so much just kind of they kind of gave us the key mm -hmm. to be like what are your artistic ambitions what would you like to create out of your music okay sounds great let's do it that's fantastic yeah <laughs> that's fantastic that's no the dream right there yeah it absolutely and they're a massive force in music they're a massive label i mean for an independent label they're huge they're one of the biggest so you have resources yeah. and you have someone backing you that believes in you and that's the ultimate right there absolutely yeah but well tell me tell me tell me where you come from kind of what your what your growing up childhood was like i mean what what kind of shaped you into into who you are and and discovering music well, let's see i uh i was born in new york uh in the city in manhattan and my parents lived down in the village for a while my dad was from the bronx my mom was from baltimore and they met on a train. I think they met on an Amtrak train. Interesting. Um, so I kind of was like a chance occurrence, I guess, in that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was a certain age, um, my parents moved to Connecticut, um, just outside the city. And that's where I, I grew up. Um, actually, like shortly after moving to Connecticut, I met Thanasi, the guitarist in Mannequin Pussy, because mm -hmm. uh, we were in a tumbling tots class together. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so growing up, you know, I really just kind of like watched other people make music and play music. Um, my mom's dad, my grandpa, he owned a record store in uh, Baltimore. So, uh, I kind of just grew up around a lot of music. My mom was always playing something, uh, but not really playing myself, just kind of watching others. Um, around the same time, like let's say eighth grade, like Thanasi was in bands and was like performing at like talent shows and stuff at our school. So it was just, just like always something that I saw other people doing, but didn't really imagine doing it for myself. Mm -hmm. 
and I was doing ballet for a very long time too. So that was kind of like my main focus okay. was, uh, I was going to do ballet, which is a, only as I've gotten older, have I realized the kind of similarities to performance between dance and music and how you are moving your body to a piece of music to tell a story, uh, much further. But, you know, like an artistic background, but didn't really pick up the guitar until later in life. Okay. Because with ballet, I mean, performing at all, I mean, that it's basically dancing to music that someone else is doing instead of creating it yourself. I mean, you, you've got to feel that same thing when you're playing guitar now, where it just moves your body the same way, um, you know, it, as it would with ballet. I mean, what, I guess ballet is more structured and movements are, are set yeah. to the music, but... Do you feel yeah, like there's no improv in ballet? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the the moving movement of your body to music is very relatable in both, as far as what you're doing. But yeah, yeah. I've kind of grown to be resentful of my guitar at this point. You know, yeah. I feel like it's it's like in the way of <laughs> fully moving my body the way I'd like to to a song. Interesting. Um, I've never you know, heard it, that it's said still a before. Tool. Yeah, it's just kind of how I've started to feel like, uh, like I wish this thing wasn't here because it's like, it feels like prohibitive. Do you need to, do you, need, can you get another guitar player? Would you be satisfied getting another guitar player and not playing guitar? Or do you need to? I would, that? that would be like my, my dream. Like there's definitely still a lot of songs I would continue to love to play guitar on. Mm -hmm. Cause I do, you know, as I, the more I do it, the more I love it. But uh, I think that's like the biggest question in Manic and Pussy is like that possible fifth slash auxiliary member yeah and i you know if we were able to get to a place where we could comfortably afford that mm -hmm. we would definitely do it but you know for now we're still we're still struggling and and doing our all of our like side hustles and stuff so it's mm -hmm. like who can we really afford to feed another mouth yeah. you know yeah and we want to take care of our own of whoever is going to be part of that world with us it's like we have to take care of you now so mm -hmm. <laughs> absolutely absolutely but it would free you up to to do what you want to do that's interesting that's interesting that that uh i guess that you're open to that because it seems like you are pretty i mean you're you're writing a lot of the songs or, or are you writing all the songs uh I, it's like on such a song by song basis now like the last the record that we just recorded is a lot more collaborative but like um I would say most of the songs start with my guitar okay, and like writing out a song and then bringing it to practice. And then everyone writes their own parts and kind of makes this idea. I have something that's like fully formed and, and with so much feeling, you know, like everyone puts mm -hmm. their own personal feelings and their own artistry onto their parts, which like really brings it together. Yeah. Um, so like collaboration is like a really important part of Manning Pussy, but I mean, as for like the words and the melodies and like that basic structure, that's usually coming from, for me. Okay. Okay. But we do cool things too. Like Thanasi will bring like a, a riff to practice and then, uh, just show this, like this, you know, idea that he has. And then bear has been like oh i have something that would go with that perfectly mm -hmm. so we kind of like we we call it frankenstein <laughs> we call it like frankenstein riffs or like oh that thing you played at last practice i just wrote a part where that goes great with it so there are a lot more songs that are kind of coming into into being from us collaborating in that sense okay okay 
And that's something that, man, yeah, like a touring member, touring guitar player, something like that, where it's, yeah. I, let's jump into that real quick. I want to jump into the side hustle thing you're talking about. What you guys, what are you guys doing right now to support yourselves in between, in between tours, in between records? Um, you know, because I'm sure you're not doing like huge record advances or anything like that. But um, what do, you, what is your side hustle? Uh, let's see. I can't, I can't say them all. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bear works at a moving company. Um, the Nazi does, I can't, I, he, he works with like a contractor sometimes, I think. Is it what it is? Doing construction. Killing the security at a boarding school. And I work at a bar venue sometimes. Okay. What venue and in Philly? Sell- tie-dye shirts <laughs> i saw that <laughs> i saw it on instagram i think on the stories or the yeah tie-dye and uh mannequin pussy shirts the, yeah that one is my favorite hustle if i could like find the time and you know the willingness to absorb a lot of bleach i would just like make that my full-time job why not dude yeah go to the farmer's markets or the saturday markets or whatever in town and there's there's places in portland here that do that it's all tie-dyed everything yeah. I just feel like tie-dye is the only way to, like, trick a punk into wearing tie-dye, you know? And I love that. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard so many people talk shit about tie-dye growing up oh. that um, it's kind of – it's it's fun to see that it's kind of, like, coming into fashion now. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's coming into fashion now. The 90s are coming back. It's – it's crazy. We say that every year, though, about the 90s. Yeah. We've been saying that since 2000, you know. <laughs> it's offensive to me because I wear bib overhauls to work because I work. And, it's not, and I see right. someone wearing their dad's bib overalls and, I'm just, and they're working like a coffee shop or something. I'm like, oh, come on. Do come you on. know that, um, that band account, uh, Band Memes 666? No, I don't. Oh, you would... Okay, this is like the the best content on Instagram. Oh, but better it's than like dad rigs? A rigs of, of dad? Like, <laughs> like two two really buff dudes like walking arms and like on one side it says like indie rockers and on the other side it says construction workers and in the middle it's Carhartt jackets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that kind of content. <laughs> That's amazing. There, <laughs> There is the phenomenon of the Portland lumberjack. I don't know how much time you guys have spent over here, but it's based, there's memes that say like if you can't if you dress like this, it's a guy with a beard and a and a flannel and the you know the little boots and everything else, and it says if you can't change a tire, uh, or we say if you can't hammer a nail and you can't or you can't or excuse me you can't saw a log and you can't change a tire, shave. <laughs> That's <all it> says. <laughs> It's a phenomenon. Everyone over here is a lumberjack. It's hilarious, even in the summertime. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, things that drive me crazy. But, yeah, I was like, I I wear these because I have to. Like, you you choose to wear these suckers, you know? Like, it's hilarious. So, see them just, yeah, some some 15-year-old wearing, obviously, their dad's overalls and everything else. Just like, man, the 90s are back. You might as well pull well, one get, and strap They get down. actually more points for that. If they can say it's my dad's, you yeah. know, then it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's like legacy, you know. It's legacy overalls. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> legacy overalls. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Pull the pull the one strap down, you know, and, and let it hang down like, a, what was that, Blossom or whatever that show was. Where they... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Now I'm dating myself. Well, I was actually, I was born in 1987, so I kind of feel like a 
like this kindredness with the nineties where like I went through it as a child yeah, and really do remember the world pre what it is now. Yeah. You know, in that feeling of like how much have things really changed? I don't know, but I can remember, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 16 kind of deal. I didn't have a a smartphone until like five years ago. So it's like, I can still remember it. And there's definitely, you see that generation now, like, you know, kids and their fathers, uh, overalls, you know, that, that wouldn't there. I said, there does kind of sometimes feel like a separation, even in music. Mm -hmm. I kind of feel like music, I get older and music stays the same age kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. There's a weird like um, it's it's weird to see the change because I was born in '82, so I remember like you know pre-internet and all. I mm-hmm. remember I remember playing outside in the summertime, and I would I would get like a. I was joking with my kids the other day about this that I they're wanting you know phones and screens and everything else, and we're like no no no. I would take a balloon and a st- piece of string, and I would go collect some dirt from the street, and I'd put it in the balloon, and I'd tie the string to it and swing it around. That was my toy. Like, I would go ride my bike till whenever. My parents like, you know, it gets dark. Come home. Okay. You know, you can't do that now. But also with the clothing and the wearing your dad's stuff, like, I remember back, you know, when you'd see bands dressed like that because they had no money. They were literally wearing someone's uncle's clothes just so they could tour you know what i mean where now now it's a fashion back then it was like uh i have to wear something so i'm gonna wear these giant pants and this shirt that doesn't fit and these earth shoes you know like it was crazy like back in back in uh you know like in the the mid 80s to to late 80s punk rock scene like that was a big deal like you're eating whatever you can and wearing your someone's uncle's clothes (laughs) and now you see it everywhere it's crazy even in the mall, that's you definitely walk an interesting mall. thing. Uh, with with touring, you see that because like we started, we, I think we went on our first tour maybe like six years ago, mm-hmm. and there was a time. I or actually, I went on my first tour like eight years ago. Okay, I went. I played bass for this artist, Colleen Green. Have you ever heard of her? I haven't. I'll have to check her out. She's great. Um, she's on Hardly Art and has put out a few records with them. She's a kind of like a. To me, she's like a, a underrated like pop punk icon okay. for so many people. Like I, th- I think so many people saw Colleen play and felt very inspired to do stuff, but people don't really give her the props she deserves. Interesting. Kind of deal. I'll have to check her out. Um, but uh, she invited me to go on a tour with her, uh, pretty much out of nowhere. Um, to play bass for her and that was kind of how I got thrown into the fire of touring and and learning to play Um, and I remember just this like weird gap where at the time that we toured it really seemed like there were these like unique different scenes all across the country Mm -hmm. that like really like looked different had different sounding bands like everywhere had like their own culture and and I see that like kind of lessening in the last couple years Sure. Well, is that the more accessible. we travel, the more people do tend to have the same kind of fashion going on. The more that the bands tend to kind of sound the same. Um, and it's, it's just kind of interesting to get to like see that that wave in culture as you travel around. Yeah, absolutely. When I was touring back in the early two thousands, I mean, we didn't have smartphones. We we still had the Rand McNally Atlas. You know, there was no GPS. We actually had, so we had, 
uh, we used to sleep in like Walmart parking lots, right? Because you can you can <laughs> legally stay there. Do that. Right? They yeah. let you, or not, not legally, but they allow it. Rand mm -hmm. McNally, so we called Walmart the embassy because in any small town we went to, we'd never been to, there's a Walmart. So there's always a 24-hour place with a bathroom, video games, food, whatever, right? So we, Rand McNally actually made an atlas that they sold at Walmart that had every Walmart on it. Oh, wow. It was hilarious. I think we still have it, but we would literally find an embassy and go stay there in the van or whatever, you know? And, that actually uh, sounds nicer than like most hotels, like it, with the food and the video games <laughs> and all that. That sounds pretty sweet. Yeah, bathroom, like whatever you need. You know, it's it's twenty four yeah. hours, and there's security rolling around. You know, making sure no one's getting shot. But this is a whole other time. Like now, I think what you're talking about with with uh, the scenes and stuff kind of blending and and becoming more uh, bland and and kind of the same. A lot of it's probably like YouTube and just everyone being able to see everything and see, you know, um, stand-up comedians talk about it a lot. How when they're doing material now, like at a small club, trying it out, it's already on YouTube. So there's no um, surprise element or anything like that anymore or like something's new. It's they've already seen it 10 times. The same th thing's happening with YouTube where you can... I mean, uh, even with you guys, probably I could probably type it. So, so you guys tour starting soon. After the first or second show, I could watch, you know, both of them probably on YouTube somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. To where you can see what's happening in Philly. You can see what's happening in Portland all any time you want at the drop of a hat. That's fairly new, it seems like, in the last, you know, eight or nine years to where, you know, uh, or you watch the news and they're talking about, uh, there's a cell phone video of some lady at a Waffle House yelling at somebody. I mean, things we're not meant to know. You know what I mean? We we know yeah. too much, and it's starting and to we're saturate filling things. Our, yeah, definitely. It's it's weird. It drives me nuts because yeah, you're not certain things are definitely good to know, but then there's a lot that I think is one kind of meant to be sacred as to like wherever it's happening and not necessarily yeah. shared and disseminated through a lot of people, but you know. Uh, I, I really don't understand some people who upload things to YouTube. Like, it never sounds good. It never looks good. Nope. And they're not enjoying it. It's and not, it's not a great representation yeah. all the time of, like, your band and your art. So it's just, it's like, all right, I mean, I guess if that's what makes you happy <laughs> is going to shows and feeling like you're contributing to something, I don't want to take that away from you. But it is strange that you can just, like, find it. At this point, I mean, like, we, we've played, like, most of our new album out live. So it's, like, for people who have already seen us, once they hear the record, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's on. Oh, yeah, that's on. Oh, yeah, that's on. <laughs> it's perfect because it's, yeah, it's, it's well, it's it's weird because they, they're, when they're, wa they're watching it on their phone while it's happening in front of them, and then how often are they going to use that? Are they going to go home and watch it ten times? They're just, they're not living the experience. They're not absorbing. No, I think about that. I really do. Like, that's like, <sighs> that's probably my like old man yells at cloud moment is when I think about experiencing a live concert with this thing right in front of your face. Mm -hmm. It really does take you, like, I, I definitely know that there are those moments that you like really want to capture, but think about like, what are you capturing it for? Are you capturing it because it's something you really want to go back to, or you just want to be able to show people that you saw it? Exactly. I think it's the second part because yeah. it's exactly you want to be able to be that person who, you know, oh, man, this got this many views or, hey, you know, I was there. Check it out. You know, like, but you you don't 
you don't have the the memory you know it's weird like I you feel don't like have yeah, that memories moment. are really all you need exactly there's certain things i definitely want to like capture and and remember but not i don't know yeah i don't know well tell i mean get the memory write it down when you get home and then if for some reason you start losing your mind later in life you can go back and revisit it you know what i mean but you, you didn't experience it when it happened and it's one thing i don't want to get too uh abstract here but these things keep popping as we're talking in my head um i had a uh, uh class in college that was the the relationship between uh, a photo and writing and one of the things they mentioned was talking about how when the mona lisa was painted it was meant when he painted it it was meant to be seen in a certain spot they lighted it a certain way oh. and it was meant to only be seen where they put it but now you can be sitting on the toilet, you can be on an airplane and Google the Mona Lisa and see it. And it loses all of its luster that that the original was supposed to to do. You know what I mean? And how photography yeah. kind of killed that part of art. And it was kind of uh, kind of feel the same way about cell phones to where you can take, you know, a band puts a lot of lot of uh, effort into putting on a show, whether it's through having lights and backdrops and things or just being ferocious in your face that is meant to be seen right there yeah and when you watch it somewhere else you know what i mean it's just it loses it it can't be it can't be recreated and it can't be experienced the same way as actually being there you know and that's the whole reason i'm sure i mean when a show sells out you know people are bummed out now they can just go on youtube and watch it later you know is this live? No, no, it's not. <laughs> cool. I can edit that out. Um, no, my um, my iPhone is trying to phase me out. I think we actually probably should not have been talking all this shit about it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and that's why, because I have been um, finally phased out, but I've been fighting against it. Oh. So every now and then my phone decides to stop being able to make calls. Those bastards. And it flashes this like error signal. So hopefully that won't happen again. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. But I don't even remember what I was saying. I was talking about something. I I don't even remember. <laughs> I already lost it. Something. We were we were talking about um that experience of just how your cell phone gets in the oh, way of things. Yes, exactly. As it gets in the way of things. Perfect. Yeah. So I mean it's and bands put a lot of money into, you know, doing their thing. And uh you know, whether it's with lights and, and stuff like that or or that really I mean, that raw, just you, you can't recreate it. You can't. You just can't. And uh, that's one thing that freaks me out about live DVDs, too, is like, wow, you're really, you know. I, I guess I remember I was, saying, I was saying something like people would pay $400 for tickets just to be there when right. other people would just watch it later. Wow, a $400 ticket. I can't like even Metallica. imagine how much like it's like is working on. Oh, like Metallica. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that feeling of like seeing seeing a piece of art on your phone or in a book versus seeing it right in front of your face is such a I didn't realize the like magnitude and like emotional feeling that can go into suddenly seeing a piece like on a gallery wall mm-hmm. right in front of you versus it is it's a completely different experience. Yeah. And so I think you know we're definitely at a point where we're very quick to come to conclusions about things now. Um, and like, just decide 
something immediately mm-hmm. versus kind of taking the time to to be in front of it and and i mean i think art is just kind of in that way it's hard to make art in like an algorithm culture you know sure sure absolutely and that's it's 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 really frustrating because it's some i mean we you and i still are are we're not old but we're 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 young enough to be more in tune with what's going on now but we also remember before and that's Mm -hmm. that's one thing i was i mean i don't know do you think you could if they said tomorrow they could make the internet disappear but you would still know it existed i mean to go back to that simpler time i don't think people could do it because they would know what was there and the how convenient everything was and i think it would drive oh, people see, crazy. i think i think we could i think we totally could really we could do it okay. yeah interesting because i yeah my thing is just like i would know that god this would have been so much easier right? you, know? you know we did have life like that but we didn't know we didn't know what could be we were still it's that ignorance is bliss kind of thing where we didn't mm-hmm. know you could just you know google directions we didn't know you could just oh wait a minute uh, so or you're having an argument with someone oh i'll just google it you know or uh, right. having access to that before we knew of that everything was great because we just knew what we knew but that's where I, that's where I draw that from is is uh, is we know now if if and if it disappeared we would lose it, but that's hopeful that that, could, that, that uh, I I think maybe I'm just speaking for myself like I'm like I would be fine like if the internet disappeared tomorrow I'd be fine. It would make my life a lot more difficult. I'd have to be fucking sending letters to California <laughs> to converse with Epitaph, but like. Yeah. I I know that they would write back because they're fucking good people. Yeah, they are. They're great. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just go to, you know, like I'll send a raven to Epitaph. Yeah. I've been watching game. I've been like catching up on uh, Game of Thrones this week. So like that's my Uh, my Game of Thrones reference. I've never seen it. Everyone talks about I had I went to get Thai food the other day and I walked in and the kid was kind of just shy. And he was kind of like I was ordering it to go. So I was at the counter, and he's like, hey, yeah, can I help you? I was like, yeah, I can order some food. He's like, oh, here's here's a menu. Hey, by the way, do you watch Game of Thrones at all? Oh, who do you look like? And I was like, no. And uh, he's like, oh, oh, uh, never mind. And then another guy came in, and he asked, hey, do, you, do you watch Game of Thrones? Like, he was asking people. Oh, he was just trying to talk to someone about yeah. it. Yeah, and then they ended up having a huge conversation while I was waiting for the food. And I was like, man, I need to watch this show. Oh, that's so sweet. He just like wanted to be able to like talk about this thing he was so excited about. Yeah, he was just fanning out big time. Like it was, it was hilarious. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an epic show. It's really brutal. It lost me for a few seasons where I was like, "Fuck this show, I'm done." <laughs> um, but now it's going to be the final one, so like I'm ready to get back in it. Oh my god. Well, speaking of speaking of the you know the live experience, do you remember uh, some of the first? first shows that really clicked with you as far as bands you saw or performances you saw that really put that fire in you that that you know i could do this or i'm going to keep doing this um yeah i think it would probably be like caught up into two different parts of my life where i think being in like being in early high school Mm -hmm. i uh around that time of like MTV still kind of supporting rock, like the yeah, 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 like maps video was a really huge moment in my life. That was a good video. 
not only, you know, is it a great video and such a beautiful, like just unforgettable song, Karen O as this, as this like mythic rock figure, um, this meant so much to me. Cause I really, I, I definitely felt like I couldn't see myself playing guitar. Like all my favorite bands growing up were, were all male. Yeah. And so I never really saw myself and it, you know, it's kind of a shitty thing to realize. Like you would like to be like, Oh, like we're all just people. And I should have just realized that like, if they can do it, I can do it. But it, it was like a really powerful moment where I was like, Oh my God, like this person who I, I immediately identify with, playing music and playing like the kind of like loud music that I would be interested in making was doing it. But I still feel like it took me a little bit of time because she wasn't playing guitar. Mm-hmm. She was just singing. And I never, I never imagined myself at all as a singer or someone who could sing. Like I tried out for plays and like didn't get in. And um, yeah, I was, I was very, very nervous and very, very shy about singing publicly. Like, uh, so that was just never something I saw I could do, but I just felt like that, like burning desire to be like that. I would love to do that. Man. I would love to just be in that environment. If I could be around music like that all the time, like that's what I would want to do. That's incredible because you still had that drive. You had that want, like, even though you didn't see yourself doing it, you still, like you said, you tried out for plays at least you if you didn't get in, you still tried. You yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you should just do it. You should just like do it in the dance. But there were like, there were politics involved at my school. My school like was a really hard place to grow up. It was like, you know, Connecticut, affluent, mm-hmm. um, very, very rigid in the kind of definition of what a life looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you're supposed to stick to a script of life, and it's mapped out for you from like kindergarten. Wow. And my parents were not like that. Like they really came as outsiders to this place and did not grow up in environments at all. Like the one I was growing up in. Mm-hmm. So they really had a very different attitude towards things, but that was the attitude from like other parents, from other students, from the teachers, from like the administrators, like just everyone in charge. It's like this very, um, you know, conform and help contribute to, uh, I don't know. Just a very limiting definition of like what a life can look like. No, I hear what you're and saying. And it really made me feel like a fucking loser because I didn't want to do those things mm-hmm. and didn't couldn't find it in me to care about those things. So I was just like, well, I have I have nothing because like I don't have the only thing that you're supposed to want. Yeah. And so it just took me a really long time to kind of go on that journey of, Oh, maybe I could, maybe I could do something that wasn't presented to me as an option. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, so you had this, you had that nature versus nurture, but like fighting each other where your folks were one way and everything else was another. And you had, that's crazy. That makes, that makes sense though. Like the, you know, that having that clash could, I mean, that's definitely sparked something in you, you know what I mean? Where to, to finally reconcile, that you don't have to be like that. That's a huge moment. Yeah. And to have parents who are supportive of that understanding yeah. in their child. I mean, they still push me to do like plenty of things I didn't want to do. Yeah. And I think later, you know, as, as now as, as I'm an adult and my mom's an adult and 
we can connect over those things. You know, she does admit to me like some, some things that she regrets sometimes of like, I shouldn't, I should have just listened to you and trusted that you knew what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Instead of but stepping I, in. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, they were still very cool. Like I, when I was 15, I really, I wanted, I started a band with my friends mm-hmm. and it didn't last long, but my parents were really supportive and they got me a guitar and I took a few lessons down the street um, with a neighbor, Chris Robinson, who I think had done like a lot of really cool session work. And I remember either hall or oats came into a lesson once they were like friends Whoa. <laughs> yeah and like he i remember him being like oh like you ever heard of the band hall and oats i'm 15 i'm like no don't care you got my lesson you're taking my time right now <laughs> but i remember in those guitar lessons i got there and he wanted to like teach me scales and notes and i was like well actually i wrote a song and i was hoping you could figure you could tell me what the notes are that I'm singing. So like immediately in my guitar lessons, I was like songwriting and trying to figure that out. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's that super pure, just that. I I love that. I love that because I, I'm the same way. I've never took lessons, but I feel like people that, that just grab the instrument and make it in, like just make it into something, you know, like it's, yeah. It's so pure and awesome because then, like you're saying, well, what wait, what note is this? You know, and that way you can help other people. You know, either learn the song or or learn it basically in reverse. Like, here's what I wrote. Now tell me what it is. Right. That's crazy. Which I think is Love. also a very frustrating thing because you're kind of trying sounds that are in your head. You know, it would be easier to write the other way, but that's just kind of always how I've done it. Uh, I mean, the the band, the band in high school didn't last long and I didn't stick with the guitar because I mean, I got pretty sick in high school. I I had a rare form of cancer. And so after that happened, I felt like the second part of my high school experience was just like very different. What, 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 what kind of cancer, if you mind me asking? That's crazy. Uh, It was called alveolar soft part sarcoma. It was the tumor that grew in my face and had to be removed. And so I just kind of stopped doing everything after mm-hmm. that. I didn't play guitar. I didn't play. I, I stopped. I quit ballet. Um, and, you know, now I can obviously see like, oh, I was depressed. Like there's a reason I stopped doing all the things that I was interested in. Yeah. But at that time I didn't. It. I don't know. It was just kind of like. I don't know. I was just like, I'm just going to like hang out with my friends and I'll, I'll get drunk. It wow. was like that kind of switch. <laughs> Weird. I was going to say, what did you do with your time? But there it is. <laughs> oh yeah. I started smoking a ton of weed. <laughs> smoking a ton of weed and drinking with some friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, prepping yeah. for tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's, I mean, I'm glad that worked out the way it did where it, they got, got it out of there and out of it. Jesus, what a blow to get in. I mean, at that age. Yeah, it's a very, it's a really strange thing. It definitely, I think, especially at that time where I was saying, I was like, I already felt like a fucking loser and I didn't know, I felt different sometimes, like what I wanted to do and what I wanted to talk about just seemed to be different than everyone around me. Mm-hmm. And then that happens and I'm like, wow, and now I really can't relate to any of my peers. Wow, man. So that was, that was definitely pretty difficult, but through it came a lot of really beautiful things and a lot of 
beautiful relationships and friendships that I like still have really strongly with people to this Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was definitely like a long process to get through, but I, you know, I feel like once I did, I had a much better understanding of that freedom to be like, well, now I'm really going to do whatever I want with my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Now I'm really don't want to like waste my time. So again, you know, it's like all those, all those really terrible things that we go through kind of end up being lessons. You yeah. hope yeah. some, some, there's definitely such a, you know, obviously such a thing as a senseless <laughs> violence and a senseless experience, but you know, certain things it's like, you have to, you have to dig for the meaning in them to, to live with them. Yeah. That's a very, that's a very profound thing to say because that's, I mean, a lot of people could take that the other way and just let it destroy them and not try to find something from it and not try to dig their way out of anything. You know what I mean? Where they're just shut down and live that super tiny life, you know, in uh, just either reclusive or, you know, not taking chances and not, and just being, you know, um, just kind of laying down and taking it, you know, that's, uh, yeah, that's inspiring and profound. (laughs) That, that self-destruction is definitely a part of that too. You know, I I feel like I recognize so much of that time of like, Oh, I was just trying to like self-destruct. Yeah. Cause that's easier than, than dealing with the things that are hurting us. It absolutely is. Yeah. That's something I hear a lot too, where people are just like, yeah, I started drinking and I just didn't, I wanted to see how far I could take it (laughs) pretty much. Or, or if I didn't wake up tomorrow, uh, it didn't matter. I was, that's it. I was like, wow. You know, and some of these people are massive rock stars. They're just like, yeah, well I had all the money and it didn't matter. And you know, I just went to me, but you know, or this happened or this person died or this, you know, this event just basically crushed them, you know, and, and yeah. uh, man, well, I'm starting to see where you get a lot of your fire from, which is, uh, was, I was very interested in because I can hear it in your voice and in your performance, I can see it and it's something that's palpable. And that's, and like I said, at the beginning of the show, like, that's what it's like it just through just listening to it without seeing a visual or anything immediately touched me was that realness, you know, and, and that's what I love doing this show and kind of trying to peel back the onion a little bit and, f- and figure out where it comes from, you know, cause it's such a valuable thing to have, you know, it's, it's, it's important to society. It's important to, to you, you know what I mean? Where it's, it's an important part of what you have to, to put out there for others, you know? And, uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. But, well, so let's talk a little bit about when Mannequin Pussy formed and you started touring. I mean, did, how long did it take for, for attention to, to grow to you guys? I mean, was it fairly quick? Like were you able to start touring and putting out records or was it something you had to do mainly on your own for a while? Oh yeah, we definitely did it on our own okay. for a while. Like I would say that if there is definitely something that we are not, it is not an overnight sensation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like uh, we've been we've been doing this for a long time, but I don't. I think sometimes things are relative to the aspirations you have for something. Mm-hmm. At the time that we started playing, I had I had like also kind of just gone through another like really like emotional 
like difficult family time and was just like kind of looking for some sort of cathartic outlet. Mm-hmm. And so Sanasi and I started playing with each other with no expectations at all other than to just, you know, just pour out some emotion. Yeah. And so we've kind of like recorded just uh, practices and things like that. And when we were, uh, we showed a friend these songs that we had just recorded, I think we like got together. And the first time we got together, we were like six songs in a day or like between two weeks or something, just like just immediately really started writing together and clicking. And we showed it to a friend and he was like, these are really good. You should just like keep doing it. And there wasn't any expectations at that time to continue to play. But um, because I had done that tour with Colleen, Mm -hmm. I kind of had met a few people who book shows and, um, I had I had played a Death by Audio and met Eden Wilbur, and so when we were kind of forming our band, I was like, "Hey, like, you know, we're just kind of trying to play live and see what it's like. If uh, you have any shows that you think we might be good on, please let me know." And I think like one of the first shows that he put on was with this band Slut Ever um, from Philly and um, Hand Cream, this band from uh, Montreal. And that was like a, definitely a life-changing show for me because it sled ever. I had met them previously in Alabama mm-hmm. and was kind of like meeting them again, but they're two of like my closest friends now to like to this day. Um, and just like people that I care so much about. And then hand cream, this other band who I still like keep in touch with and, you know, try to check in on. Uh, but both their bands are just so inspirational and aspirational and uh at the time and it just like really gave me that feeling of well if this is how good this feels to like play songs and see other artists and feel so inspired and alive then like i definitely like doing this yeah and so i think we continue to play songs and just like just play live for a pretty long time before we ended up recording our first album um and once we put that out, we just put that on a friend's cassette. She just put it out on a cassette for us. Mm-hmm. So she had a cassette label called Rare Bit. And we went on our first tour. And then I think it was like after that tour, Tiny Engines emailed us asking if we might want to put out our first record with them on vinyl and kind of like do a proper re- release of it. Because mm-hmm. we just we just put it on a tape and started touring around ourselves. So once we kind of started touring, it was a pretty quick thing now that I think about it. But that was like a span of probably two years between starting the band and putting out that album. Sure. Man, (laughs) that's excellent. I, I, uh, those, those events are so massive, you know, and where they, where they hit you, in your life, you know, you're saying that show just was so profound. I mean, that's, ah, that's what I'm talking about. Like there's no, there's no replacement for that real interaction, real, uh, you know, passion, real, I mean, just, it just hit you at the right time. And that's, that's fantastic. I mean, the, the, so what you guys are doing now, um, you guys got, you guys got a new record that's going to come out. And when is that record going to come out? It's coming out in June. In June, okay, and it's done. It's recorded. Oh yeah, it's done. It's recorded. I'm uh, I'm actually directing a music video for us on Monday. Oh, badass. 
So that will be out at the end of April. We're going to put out our first song and video. So it's, it's coming. It's like, it's almost there. It's almost there. It's almost there. It's like what I keep telling myself. It's like, I feel like we've been living with this secret for so long and it's been so much time in between our records that, you know, it's, we're, we're very ready to, to finally share this. Excellent. Did you, did you guys record this before Epitaph where you get like showed it to Epitaph and they wanted to release it? Or is this something that you were in the works for before? Um, we had basically been talking to Epitaph for like two years. Wow. Um, and it pretty much just took two years to work out, um, going from tiny engines to Epitaph. Okay. Because obviously we knew that there were a lot more resources and support with Epitaph. Yeah. Um, than than with Tiny Engines, but you know, Tiny Engines had, had been really good to us and like you know showed us that first um, interest in us and put out two albums for us. So getting them to be okay with us going to them just took a lot of time. Okay. So uh, they weren't initially receptive to that. They were they no. Were, oh, okay. No. But, you know, I think it kind of eventually became pretty clear that, like, we had ambitions beyond that. And this was some people who were going to be able to come into our lives to, like, really, you know, more or less make our dreams come true. Yeah. Artistically speaking. Yeah. Um, so we did set out to record it kind of like before things were finalized. So kind of while we were making this record, we didn't exactly know who it would ultimately be coming out with. Okay. We just we just really hoped it was going to be Epitaph. Sure. Um, and we actually we ended up recording it twice. Um, which as I've talked to a couple other artists, I have found that a lot of other musicians have gone through this process of recording something and then realizing that you maybe need to do it again. Really? What? What? Yeah. What, what sparked that? What? What did you hear there that you needed to redo? Well, I think. I think on our end, and like more specifically mine, like there were just a few songs that weren't completely in place the way that they should have been. So hearing them back was just like, ah, uh, this isn't quite ready. Okay. Um, and then we had recorded it with the same people, um, Evan Bernard and Chris Baglivo at Big Mama's recording in um, Philadelphia, uh-huh. where we had made romantic that album okay and so like when we were kind of listening to them back to the back we're like this really just kind of sounds like the same record yeah you know Mm -hmm. it was it was similar sounds and like the space that big mama's warehouse is in was kind of like an emotional place for me for a while and it was just really hard for me to be there every day why is that uh i just i mean like i just like had a relationship with someone who was in the space and like spent a lot of time there and then like just like going back there every day, it's it's really chaotic there too. Like mm-hmm. there's just so much in this warehouse space to sift through and a lot of people coming and going. And I found it very hard to just like really focus in on this project without getting distracted by emotions or people and things like that. I got you. Okay. That makes more um, sense. So then once, you know, we, we were kind of listening to it as a band that was – brought up and we're like well i mean we could try recording it again and that was the consensus that we came to as a band i mean we can't we don't do anything unless we all agree to it Mm -hmm. basically we're just great we're very democratic that way good 
Um, but we also, you know, like we wanted to challenge ourselves to make an album that was really going to sound like this next step. Like, I think you can like really hear a shift in our sound from our first album GP to romantic where you're like, Oh wow, these, this is the same band, but it sounds different. It's like moving in a new direction. And we really wanted that to be something that would be noticeable to people who have kind of been with us the whole way. Yeah. And if it was going to be a first introduction, you know, as well, then I think they would, I think I was actually just listening to romantic today. I haven't listened to it in like probably a year and a half, but I was trying to relearn songs for tour. Uh huh. And I was just like, oh, I, I really like, I love the way that that record sounds and oh, feels amazing. and everything, but I, I wouldn't want to feel like we were trying to recapture it. You sure. know, it sure. was, it was supposed to sound different this time. Yeah. It, but then you were capturing a moment in time when you made that record already. I mean, you, you I'm a big believer in that, that you can't, yeah. you can't recreate it. You can't, I mean, I'm sure when you re when you recorded the new record, it's, it, it was a whole nother animal. And yeah, it was, exactly. you can't even just recreate that. I mean, it's, it's a moment in time, it's a snapshot and then you move on. Like you move on. Yeah. You're going to play those songs every night. You know what I mean? And you're still going to be connected to that record, but you always, I mean, the next one's the next one, the next one's the next one, you know, unless you're Slayer, <laughs> it's all the same and no one cares because it's awesome. But there's, there, that's all you got. You got Slayer. There you go. They, they've done it and they're stopping too. So, you know, <laughs> Oh my God! So, uh, man, well, I don't want to. I don't want to keep you on. We've, I've got you on here an hour. I don't want to keep you much longer. I I just really appreciate having you on the show and and you coming on the show for one, and really appreciate the music you're making and the fact that it touched me like it did. You know, it it gave me that fire. Like it's, it's that's something. I mean, you can't put a price on that. You can't. I mean, it's just real something really special, and I appreciate that a lot. And, uh, you know, I really, I, you guys are going to do great things and I, I'm super stoked that the new record's coming out on Epitaph and, uh, I can't wait to hear it. I mean, that's, I, oh, thank you. it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be special. I know it. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited about this one. I'm excited about what we're, we're creating this, uh, this video we're working into, like diving into the directing aspect of creating visual art to go with your with your uh your songs is mm -hmm. a really special opportunity you know making videos is is not cheap and is not necessarily easy depending on what it is you want to make yeah so it's we have a really really great team working with us on it so i'm, I'm excited to like try on this new challenge it's fantastic and that could become a new side hustle for you is doing videos <laughs> yeah maybe or maybe if it you know well, like, the, the directing process has definitely made me so stressed. I feel like I'm going to puke, but like <laughs> I really deep down, I do love kind of knowing where everyone on a team is at and how everyone plans to be prepared and helping everyone get to that place where it's like you get to set and you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So I think depending on how Monday goes, yeah, I would definitely like, I would be very open to it directing videos for people but you know i gotta i have a lot of skills to learn myself <laughs> sure but you're you're getting there that's a the, i mean one step at a time i mean you're doing amazing shit right now i mean like then that's hands down i mean that's that's where i'm coming from is <laughs> what you've done so far is is amazing so i'm stoked to see what happens in the future and and uh i mean really really appreciate it 
Oh, thank you so much. It means a lot. And I think today's been like a kind of a tough day anyway, where you're like, there's so much that goes into music sometimes that has nothing to do with playing music. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to get. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, it's hard not to get so bogged down on that and then kind of, kind of feel fake. I was like talking to someone just today about that. I was like, sometimes I feel like a fucking fake. Like I spend so many hours of my day working on stuff that has nothing to do with like playing. Yeah. 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 It's part of the machine but, that's uh, somewhat a necessary evil to dip your toe in, you know, uh, as little as you can, but you still have to. I mean, it's to make it work, and it's oh, – I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, uh, like you really need to keep it together to make sure that it's working and everyone's on the same page about all the stuff. Yeah. But yeah. it is a really exciting process. I think that this record is really going to surprise a lot of people as to as to like what we've made, and I think there's a lot – on here for a lot of different kinds of people to enjoy and I don't know, hopefully bring people together on it. I'm, I'm really proud of what we made together. So it's, it's about time to put it out into the world. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it. I, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> this is all getting me all excited about it. Cause I, I just, yeah, I love what you guys do and, and it's going to be great. And, and uh, again, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. And uh, do you have a title for the new record yet? patience patience okay yeah we definitely had to learn it the last two and a half years so yeah. <laughs> it kind of seemed it seemed fitting <laughs> perfect well so. i i absolutely appreciate you coming on the show and spending an hour with me and just chatting and and i've i love i love doing these shows so much and and meeting new people this way and and getting new insight and and uh it's definitely been one of those conversations and i appreciate it a lot and and uh wish you all the best Hell yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for asking me to do it. I'm glad. I'm glad Mike Shaw was able to connect us. Yeah, I am too. Shout out to Mike Shaw. Yeah, shout out, big shout out to Mike Shaw. So, uh, I'll let you get, finish your relaxing evening. Um, and all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Marissa Device from Mannequin Pussy. Their album Patience is out now on Epitaph. It is an amazing record. Their whole catalog's fantastic. But the cool thing is, they went on Audio Tree shortly after the record before this and so you can hear on spotify you can actually go on and hear them and then if you're curious to what they sound like live uh they're they're fantastic and you just go to that audio tree recording uh, i'm not sure if they're going to do that again but i would love to hear the songs from patience live and on uh on audio tree or just live in general so hopefully catch them when they come over to the west coast uh, but big thanks to marissa for coming on and sorry it took so long to get this interview out uh, but i think there wasn't a ton of time-sensitive material on this interview. I think it was just a real <clears throat> interesting uh, story, getting her story. And she's been through a lot, and she's a very inspiring person and just a unique individual. So big thanks to her. Um, and, yeah, you guys got to check out that record, Patience, by Mannequin Pussy on Epitaph. All right, guys, uh, I don't have much to, to say on this one. I don't have a lot going on right now, so... Uh, Definitely check out the website, check out the socials, tell a friend, rate and subscribe, check out Merge 4, check out Rockabilia, check out ArtistFlags.com, and check out RER Studio and Sticker Ninja. Uh, You won't be disappointed. Uh, All those companies are fantastic. They've been helping out the show for a long time. Big thanks to them. And big thanks to you for coming back week after week, guys. I really appreciate it. We would not have this show without you. And uh, be sure to go back and check out Fat Mike from last week. It was a pretty crazy one. And next week, we've got more killer stuff. So, as always, we'll see you on the radio.
Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now.